Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it is our responsibility, our duty, our obligation week after week, every time we get on the air, to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do it. Primary way, if you want to get your thoughts, insights, commentary on the air, create a dialogue, whatever, uh, you can do so by calling the main number, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your uh, voice heard live on the air. If you don't want to share your voice live on the air, the chat room is open. Simply go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today and you can join in uh, in the chat chat room and have a dialogue there also. Also, if you are bold enough, <laughs> no, just kidding, no. Uh, join us on our Facebook page. Go to our Facebook page, like the page. It's the Zero Network on Facebook. Uh, you can dialogue and put commentary about the topics that we talk about there, make suggestions about the topic, whatever you like to do. Always, we invite you to do so and join. Go to uh, Zero Today page on Blog Talk Radio, like the page, subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. That's my personal Twitter. Uh, email me if you'd like to get more, uh, get in contact with me anyway. Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. Many other ways. Go to our website LorenzoTNeal.com. We're developing another one for the show. I've been saying that for a long time, but we're actually going to do it so we can have some other <laughs> some things to do. We're going to have some. Uh, I'm excited about what's about to happen in the next few weeks. We're going to be rolling out some things that uh, I've been reluctant to do, but I think it's going to help um, help you know I guess branding. And I'm going to talk about branding today. <laughs> How ironic is that? But uh, anyway, we're going to be. Uh, doing some things, offering some products, and we, we want you to be able to be blessed because we are to be a blessing to you. 
We're excited this Wednesday. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. It's been a wonderful week, a long week. We just got up of our uh, mid-year convocation, and I tell you, it's always good. And I, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But before I get too far into my my ranting, raving, whatever you want to call it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We bless you for another opportunity to be able to do the show. We thank you for just providing. We thank you for every good and every perfect gift that comes from you. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, it's been an exciting week. We, Like I was saying before, uh, we just came out of the 8th Episcopal District Media Convocation. And it was a wonderful time. Good preaching. I love good preaching. And we had some good preaching, uh, particularly from Reverend Dr. Uh, Watley, who's the pastor of St. Philip Amy Church in, in Atlanta. He just brought down the house uh, and the spirit, uh, the God's presence moved. And, and I was having a conversation with a colleague about, you know, uh, glory, cloud, and all this stuff. And uh, it was evident God moved in this service because I saw preachers reacting to the sermon who really don't react to anything, <laughs> who were who were so moved. One fell, literally, this guy fell under the power of the preached word of God. I, when I say fail, I mean this dude is like almost, he's over six feet tall, he's real big, and, and with no land, no hands being laid on him, nothing like that. He literally fell under the power of God. Had everybody scared because we didn't know what was happening. But then he, while he was on the floor in the Coliseum, he had his hands lifted and praise to God. And I was like, oh, my God, that is something. That is something. That's that's when you know God moved in an AME meeting. <laughs> but God be praised for very wonderful, and I, I send commendations, I extend commendations to Bishop uh, Julius McAllister Sr., who is the presiding bishop of the 8th Episcopal District of the Methodist Episcopal Church, and to his lovely wife, Supervisor Joan M. McAllister. They have been providing some wonderful leadership, and I don't boast or brag on, on bishops much. You know, uh, we try not to be standoffish with them. And but uh, I have to say that he has been leading the Eighth Episcopal District of the Methodist Episcopal Church with great leadership. And I just want to extend that leadership, uh, extend those commendations to him and what he's doing in the Eighth Episcopal District. Because y'all, we've been having some. It's been it's been a wonderful time. That's all I can say. A wonderful, wonderful time. Uh Let's get into the headlines. Uh, if many of you have not heard, this past weekend, um, there was a terrorist attack in Pakistan, in Lahore, Pakistan. Uh, a suicide bomber uh, went and bombed two churches. Well, suicide bombers bombed two churches in Lahore. And at least 15 people were killed and dozens were injured. And, and this is very dear to my heart. If, you, you, if you're not aware, uh, last year, the Lord allowed us to plant a church, uh, the New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church of Pakistan. And we planted that church in the uh, Punjab, in the Christian district, uh, Christian um, province of Punjab. 
and it's not that far from the Lahore, but uh, our resident pastor there, uh, Rashid Sadir, has been ministering there, and people are coming to know Christ. Uh, a lot of the people we have that have been converted to our uh, in, by way of our church have been Muslims, and um, is it, you know Pakistan is still in some areas still kind of unruly, still. Uh, uh, Taliban took responsibility for that bombing, and, and their presence is still there in Pakistan. And uh, so we're soliciting your prayers, your thoughts for uh, the families of those who were killed, for the church, the churches that were affected and damaged by the bombings, uh, and uh, and for those who are risking their lives by coming to a saving knowledge of the Christ. And so uh, I, I, I have details up on my uh, personal page, uh, LorenzoTNeal.com, on how you can donate to support uh, our church this weekend. We raised some funds that we'll be sending out to uh, our church there in, in Pakistan. And uh, we've been on the phone, been, in, been Skyping, with the pastor, we've been in contact with some of the families. We prayed this morning, as a matter of fact, with a, a family who uh, whose uh, relatives were uh, were killed in the bombing in Lahore. Now, the good thing here's the thing about Pakistan. Pakistan is a Muslim country. is a, a largely percent, uh, I guess, about 85 percent are Muslim, uh, and Catholics are uh, uh, Catholic Christians are the majority Christians, and the Catholic Church is the dominant uh, face of Christianity in Pakistan. But there are a growing number of churches that are being planted, Protestant and um, evangelical, I guess you can call them churches, that are being planted there. And the Lord is moving and causing the hearts of the people to turn to Christ. And it's a wonderful thing because... Again, they do so at the risk of death, and uh, it's a uh, well. I just admire those who have been converted, and uh, since I, since we planted the church there in uh, the latter part of October, we've had over sixty people uh, just through our ministry there uh, in surrounding villages of uh, Punjab. We've had about 60 people uh, convert, and it's a wonderful thing to hear the reports that I get every week from the pastor there. And, and when I minister, I minister by way of Skype. We have a service tomorrow evening, a prayer service that we'll be doing, and then we'll have another service for um, Palm Sunday and Easter uh, if the Lord provides a way for us to, well, allows for us to see those days. We will be ministering again, and it's wonderful. Um but if you'd like to support the ministry there, and there are others, uh, a great friend of mine has uh, also planted some churches in Pakistan, and they're doing wonderful. The Abbey Church, we have uh, we have uh, Indian, we have a church in India, and of course we have a global church, but uh, we recently planted a church in India, and that church is thriving in that area. The Lord still is moving. There are still plenty of persons who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there are still plenty of persons who are yet to be converted. So pray for those people, and um, 
I'll provide the link for if you want to give any kind of assistance. Uh, we'll provide the link uh, at LorenzoTinio.com or my Facebook page so you can get that more information. Uh, but just continue to be in praise uh, and in prayer for the people there in Lahore. There's, there's a lot of other things that's going on, and um, I really don't know what to say about some of these headlines that I've been reading. Um, because it what, what, what amazes me, and we're going to talk about this, uh, uh, what we're going to talk about is fallacies in the church. You know, are you, is the church built on fallacies, uh, or are you... Are you are you subscribing to the fallacies of your church? Huh? It's amazing. And, uh, I I just talk about that. Um, anyway, there's a couple of things that's going on right now. Um, if you've been watching this show, there's a show on the television that's called uh, Sex Box. Okay. And sex box is basically the people come on the show that couples come on the show they're having issues with their uh with their relationship sexual relationship whatever it may be and so they come on and it's a panel of therapists uh who answer and their questions and also uh, you know, allow they have sex in this soundproof box, and then they come out and talk about the sexual experience to these therapists. One of the one of the panelists is a female. She's a black female, and I can't think of a name right now. Um, I just had it up because uh, I was intending to talk about this last week, but I did not get around to it. But anyway. Um, she is not only a, a sex therapist, she's also a pastor. I don't know the name of the church she's pastoring. And, uh, but anyway, you can, you can find that out. Uh, you can find that out. And it, it, I was going to pose the question um, as to, you know, how involved should pastors be? In, in 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 things like this. Now, I'm trained as a therapist also, and I've had to counsel persons with issues like that, and yeah, I, I try to help. Uh, but at the same time, I try. I, I try not to get uh, overly involved in that area because I understand. My role is limited. My role is as pastor, and as a therapist, you know I have I just have to be aware. But you know, by the fact that she's on such a show, is it promoting? And again, some of these couples are not married. The ones who are married, I still question why they uh why they even go on the show. But that's just me. Uh, anyway, I digress. Just put that out there for you. Uh. I'm going to take a break while I get my thoughts together because I'm running kind of crazy. <laughs> so when we come back to the break, we're going to get into a couple of things. Uh, I want to talk about Mr. Reverend Dr. Creflo Dollar and, of course, his uh, his recent uh, petition to 
supporters. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about, uh, is your church thriving on false information? You know, our ministry is being created, franchised, branded out. And are you being fooled in the process? That's what we're going to talk about. So, uh, we hope that you join with Don't Tune Us Out. Turn us off. Just stay with us. And we'll be back right after this. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. Did you get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically, so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. When we made our commitment to the Gulf, BP had two big goals. Help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. As part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf, and I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting-edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep water well cap and a state-of-the-art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24-7. And we're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Over $55 billion here in the last five years, making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger. I've been a victim of identity theft on more than one occasion, and I gotta tell you, it's never been a pleasant experience trying to clean up the mess afterwards. That's why I decided to find a safe and secure way of protecting my identity and my good name through LifeLock. LifeLock is more than just a credit monitoring service. It provides full identity protection and monitoring and scanning for any threats to your identity so it can also quickly respond to it. Now, here's the other good thing I really love about LifeLock is that it offers a guarantee of up to $1 million should you ever become a victim of identity death while using LifeLock. LifeLock is not an expensive thing. Plans start as low as $10 a month. I, I tell you, you ought to go there and check them out. Visit their website, www.lifelock.com, or call 1-800-607-7205 and enroll today, and I guarantee you will start to feel safer the minute you get it. LifeLock, you'll love it. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal.
welcome back to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Dio, and we are a bit scattered brain. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, you know, I have adult ADHD, so I have to, I have to force myself to kind of stay focused and keep my thoughts on track. And during the last segment, I was doing like five different things: reading one place, looking another thing. Try to and try to try to do the first segment monologue all at the same time. And that's why I sounded like a bit rambling off. Yeah, so it was it was. Anyway, but we're back. So one of the biggest things, some of the biggest news that's been I, I say broke the internet, at least the church world internet, was the announcement or the solicitation uh by Pastor Creflo Dollar and uh, Creflo Dollar Ministries, rather, not from himself, but from his ministries, uh, soliciting uh, supporters and members for $300 and for at least 200,000 persons to give at least $300 to help with the purchase of a $65 million jet. Yeah. And... (laughs) When I first read this, I I, I I caught the news on I think uh, uh, several places, uh, but I think primarily I, th- I think the first place I saw it was on um, the um, Old Black Church website, and I was like, no, this can't be real, you know, because the title was GoFundMe. No, yeah, it was Go. It was uh, it was like Creflo sets up a GoFundMe account for this jet. And it turns out, no, it wasn't a GoFundMe, but it was similar to it. Uh, <laughs> his ministry sent out the solicitation, and they gave the validation. They said that the jet that he's had, that he has, um, was purchased in 1999 and has millions of miles on it, and it's just, you know, it's time to purchase a new one. Now, purchasing a a, a plane is not like purchasing a car. My car has almost 120,000 miles on it. When I bought it uh, three years ago, it only had le- it had just about 50,000, a little more. Okay, so you see how many miles I put on there, on that car, and I'm still paying on the note. So I can't, you know, <laughs> the value is going to decrease, not to increase. But so, so he says that he has to have this new jet because the ministry is becoming greater. Uh, the 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 toll of ministry is 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 to the point where he has to have this new jet. The cost, of course, includes fueling the jet, hiring the staff, the pilots, the waiter, uh, stewardesses, and and housing the jet. Okay, sixty-five billion dollars. No, 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 I, I lied. That was the cost of the jet. Now, he says he needed that. Now, this is what they said. They said that they needed. Creflo Dollar Ministry said that they need it because their leader uh, and the leadership team had to travel the world. Okay? They have to travel the world. And so it caused a lot of backlash, and so they took the page down. And one lady, I'm, I'm now uh, I read a recent report from uh, All Christian News. And so a staffer was called, uh, was called and they, uh, the staffer reportedly said that the reason they needed such expensive jet, 
is because Creflo Dollar does not travel by himself. He travels with a staff of at least 10 to 12 people, persons, and those 10 to 12 persons, uh, uh, when they have those persons, also travel with supplies. So when they do ministry across the world, they're taking food, they're taking uh, clothes, you know, they're, they're, they're taking ministry essential things for those that they go minister to. Now, I don't see how that is, because <laughs> uh, now, mind you, Creflo Dollar has two churches, uh, one in the Atlanta metro area that has about 30,000 members, and one in the New York City metro area that is rumored to have or stated to have about eight to 10,000 members. And I doubt very seriously if he is putting supplies on that plane or will be putting supplies on that plane for his members. Because with $65 million, he can clearly alleviate any of the needs of all of his members at both churches. He doesn't. <laughs> Nonetheless, poor Creflo has been uh, forced to fly commercial. Forced. And in those so many words, he's been forced to fly commercial until his solicitors, his uh, supporters, help him by purchasing that plane. Now, so all Christian news reports that uh, one pilot says that Creflo Dollar lied about reasons for wanting the plane. Creflo Dollar, according to this pilot, said that uh, the G650 airplane is is very, very expensive, and a used one goes for 67 let me let me read this right. Okay. Uh, David Graham, Global Express aircraft captain with advanced air management, when he heard about the reasons for Creflo purchasing this G650, he said their excuse just didn't add up. He says this, and I'm quoting this now. Um, he says, the G650 max ramp weight is 99,600 pounds. Then add 4,000 for uh, the G650 uh, ER, which I don't know what that means. but It cannot carry 12 people and 100,000 pounds of food and supplies like the person from their staff said. Okay. It simply means, what he's simply saying is Creflo is a crook who's scamming the church in the name of the Lord. I think he took that, that line from the temptation song. <laughs> but but this is, he goes on to say, he, get, he goes on to say that uh, the manufacturer of the Gulfstream plane that Creflo wants has confirmed it. Uh, the article goes on to say that, not Graham, but... Uh, the manufacturer of, the, gra- of the, the, the plane confirms what Graham says about the plane, that it only holds about 18 seated passengers, and it can only take off with a p- maximum weight of 99,600 pounds. And it also lists a pre-owned 
plane, the, the type that he wants, for sixty-seven million nine hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it only had sixteen hundred one thousand six hundred sixteen hours of flying time and six hundred twenty-five landings. Isn't that something? To Creflo's credit, to Creflo's credit, he's doing a wonderful job. I, I, I do not discredit anybody's mission because I don't. The only person they have to give account to is the Lord. They don't have to give account to me. And, well, you know, they should get account to their members fiscally, but it calls into question stewardship to me. And uh, I think most of these churches, most of these pastors, forget the whole idea of stewardship. Just because you have a mega ministry does not entitle you to living lavishly or even to ministering lavishly. You don't need $5 million for a plane for a six-hour flight between two cities. You don't really need a $65 million plane even if you're traveling around the world. You as a pastor, your primary your primary ministry is to your local church. And if you're not meeting the needs of your local church and the community that surrounds that, then you, my friend, are not pastoring. You cannot be an evangelist who spends 85% of their time away from their church and then say you're a pastor. Well, well, let me let me Retract that. Let me retract that. Historically, we had uh, circuit riders, particularly in the Methodist Church, but also uh, the Apostolic Pentecostal picked this up later on in the early 1900s. The latter part of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century, uh, pastors served as evangelists and um, because a lot of them were were uh, Traveling, you know, they were itinerant, so they were moving. They they established church, uh, and if they didn't stay at their local church, or if they saw a need at another church, you know, another community, another area, they planted churches, things like that, uh, you know. And then they also kind of moved around. Today, because there's such a, but because of the, I'm I'm trying to find the right word, Our overwhelming presence. Of churches in most cities, it doesn't matter how small or how big the church. I mean, the city, <laughs> because of the overwhelming presence of churches, that is not necessary. As necessary, let me put it that way. Um, now you could argue that if you want to argue that, that's fine. I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Simply, um, you know, call in the number three four seven two three seven five two three zero. Present a counter argument. I'd be glad to uh, engage you on that. I, I have no problem with it. Uh, but my premise, the premise of my argument, argument is that uh, the extremism to which a lot of these pastors are trying to ascertain is neglectful to the very ministry that they are called to. I'm going to say that again. The, the extremism to which these pastors are trying to ascertain is neglectful to the very ministry to which they are called. If you are a pastor, you are to be localized, centralized. You can have extended ministries, 
extended areas of oversight. You know, you can be a chief pastor or some people call them pastor, uh, bishops or whatever, you know, overseers, whatever, however you need term it. But you know, once you begin to extend, expand beyond your boundaries, it's very hard to maintain your ministry. And even harder to maintain the integrity of your ministry. And this is an example of that. This is an example of trying to maintain, uh, not maintaining the integrity of your one's ministry. Now, I'm not talking about the integrity of Dr. Dollar. Uh, Pastor, I, 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 I sincerely believe Creflo Dollar has, a, matter of fact, I know he has a heart. He has a genuine heart. Uh, he has exploited it. Everybody does. I don't know of any pastor who does not exploit, including myself, who has not exploited to some degree. Uh, what I mean by exploit, I'm not talking about taking advantage. I'm not talking about you know, you, you uh, serving as a leech. I'm simply saying in the case of... Uh, uh, you know where you know that people are able to care and meet the needs of the ministry. Uh, you you don't try to suppress their assistance. Paul even did that. Paul to wrote in the Corinthians said, you know, the Macedonians and they're really they're really struggling, but they still see that I have needs and they try to meet the needs. And uh, you know, pastors, we can do that. Well, anybody in leadership usually exploits to a degree. There are benefits to it. Uh, let me stop before I put my foot in my mouth too far. <laughs> but the problem comes when you allow the desires of your – I won't even say the desires, but when you, when you allow uh, – the when you allow your ambition to be greater than where you are, and it's nothing wrong with being ambitious. In the African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, being ambitious is very beneficial. Uh, but in ministries like Careful, where you create your own, and, and a lot of pastors now, uh, they're non you know non mainline no non mainline. Like us, you know, we're Episcopal and we're itinerant, so we know that we can go somewhere and build a ministry, but uh, or we get appointed. So you know, wherever we go, we have to make the most of where we go. But for ministers that, for ministries and pastors to start their own, they have to create a brand. They have to create this false sense of their ministry for people to buy into it. And so this is where I'm getting into the church fallacies. You know, uh, many of the people who join churches like Creflo Dollars, T.D. Jakes, and many of the other, what we come to have called mega churches, join them because of false sense of idealism. Well, not idealism, a false sense of reality. Most of them see pastors succeeding. And then they've been told from those very pastors that, if they want to be like their pastor, they must do X, Y, and Z. And nine times out of ten, X, Y, and Z does not work out for those persons. Yet they continue to support said ministries in the hopes that 
that will happen. And they hear pockets of testimonies, you know, one couple over here, we didn't tithe, and then we started tithing, and now we have our own business, yes, and the Lord is blessed. And another person over here, I didn't tithe, I wasn't tithing, and I desired to be in a relationship, and I started tithing, and God sent me my husband, or God sent me my wife, or, or another person, I, I wasn't a tither or a giver or anything like that, and 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 then the Lord laid on my heart to give, and, and, and I needed a financial miracle. And because I was tithing consistently, something happened, and I got a miracle. And they buy into this. I'm not knocking the, I'm not knocking tithing, please understand. But it's the fallacy, the underlying fallacy that people buy into. Think about this. You have pastors who are branding themselves on their name, you know, they have capitalized not only on their name, but on their brand. They have created something that is has nothing to do with the gospel, has everything to do with their image. Now, before I get too far into this, I want you to understand, I, I, I have a, a radio show that I do. I'm an author. I'm an educator. You know, I'm degreed. I'm well-educated. Okay, and I have plenty of opportunities to brand my myself like that. Matter of fact, part of the problem with my own personal ministry is that I have not taken advantage of these opportunities. I have not taken advantage of the fact that I'm an author or a radio host. You know, <laughs> last Sunday I had to preach at a, a program, and, you know, I have an official bio, but I didn't have an official bio. I didn't bring it. And And the pastor who had to introduce me, you know, he was going to say, I'm just a wonderful, you know, little preacher or <laughs> something to that nature. And he said, I, I'm just going to tell man, you, you, I, I know you're a man of God and, and, and you're a good preacher. I said, well, that's all good, but they do need to know a little bit about me. So I, you know, sketched out a little bit. And he was reading. He's like, wow, I didn't know all of this. I said, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't. I don't broadcast it. You know, I, I don't make it known. I could be famous if I chose to. Maybe I'm famous in my own mind. I don't know. Nonetheless, he was surprised and as he was reading over it. Now, this is literally backwoods country, rural, uh, rural, rural Mississippi, Yazoo County, Mississippi. And most of those, you know, there were a couple other preachers there. Uh, and most of them, one, do not have the training, or over the education, rather, that I had. Two, uh, you know, they pastor rural churches that will not grow any, don't care for growing. And I'm a city boy. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of you know, and wasn't no tension because them boys, dumb jokers preached. I, they, they, when I say they preached, man, they preached. Man. But I downplayed. I didn't do it intentionally. I don't do it intentionally, but I downplay because, you know, I want the people to focus on the ministry, not the person. Now, I try to be articulate as possible when I preach, and I, I do want to make sure people understand that I am a learned man, just as Paul did. Paul wanted people to understand that he was a learned person, but he forsook all of that when it came to Christ, to cause the Christ to the ministry. He counted it all as dung, counted it all as lost. And I believe we're in a in a in society today where we're forgetting those words. We, when you have pastors like Creflo, when you have pastors, others that I can name, the list goes on and on, 
who are making a name for themselves. And and, and this is nothing new. Paul, this was it's the same thing that's going on now was going on in the first century church, the second century church, and continued on to for you know for a long time. There's still the same thing happening. It's nothing new under the sun. I know that's you know, we hear that all the time, but the reality is that there is nothing un- new under the sun. What is being done now, what's being done during the time of the apostles of the first century, even during the time of Christ. You know, <laughs> John the Baptist's disciples thought Jesus was trying to make a name for himself. He took the message of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he proclaimed the same thing. Jesus being a disciple of John, having been baptized for John, uh, they thought he was one going to take up the mantle of John. Instead, he didn't take up the mantle of John. He told his disciples, uh, John's disciples, when they came looking for him and said, are you the one that we uh, are looking for, or should we look for another? He said, tell your master this is what's going on. And then the scripture doesn't say whether they accepted it or not, but the blind are being here, the lame are being walking, the gospel is being preached, and all this stuff. That's what Jesus proclaimed. And I think the fallacy that we're being presented in the contemporary church is a very, very dangerous. What is the fallacy? The fallacy, one, is that the whole ministry of Christ is dependent upon the individual of uh, uh, the 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 authority, not of Christ, but the one who's presenting it. If I present myself as knowledgeable, even if I get a fake degree, and I tell you all this kind of stuff, and I don't study, but I borrow, you know, and regurgitate other sermons that I've I've learned and studied over the years, and make it my own, which is what preaching has done has become today. Preaching has become the regurgitation of someone else's material made as some as their own. It's like covering a song. You know, if you if you're familiar, of, <laughs> put it, you know, everybody's pretty much heard about Pharrell and what's that other guy named Robin Big. They have to pay so many millions of dollars to the family of Marvin Gaye because of the song Blurred Lines. It's not uncommon for for musicians to cover songs of other musicians and put it on their albums you know and sometimes those covers do better than the actual albums the original song think about Tina Turner Tina and Ike Turner they rolling on the river that did better than the original and I could go on and on several and even in the gospel industry you know their church choirs do it all the time church choirs cover a community choirs cover the songs of the popular gospel artists, you know, and go about their business. They make it their own. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of preachers are doing that, have done that, built ministries uh, around other people's messages. Never really fully bothering to indulge themselves and investigate the scriptures for themselves, like the Bereans. But instead... You know, they take this message, they, they, they believe this message with passion, and they re- retell the message their way. Uh, is there anything wrong with that? Yes and no. I mean, because when I was a boy preacher, I did that same thing. I was, I, I never forget, uh, I had the oldest tell me, say, son, don't preach what you don't know. And that was a lot of stuff because, you know, as a little boy, 
I'm preaching at 12 years old, preaching at 16, and, and you know, even at 20. Uh, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. Couldn't preach about being married because I wasn't married. I couldn't preach. I, I, I didn't really go out in the world, so I didn't know what it was like to be in the world. I, I had no, you know, I had no deliverance experience per se, you know. The Lord delivered me off this and out of that and from there. And I didn't have that testimony. I was a church boy. You know, I grew up in the church. So a lot of stuff, you know, the sins that I, a lot of people were saying that they were doing, I, I didn't experience. I couldn't. So I simply preached what I, you know, I preached for especially uh, in my preteen and teenage years, you know. I preached the sermons I heard other preachers. The older preachers preach. I mean, I would read the scripture and I was listening, but you know, I, I had to, the, I had to find my voice, and it was late in, you know, it was late in my twenties before I found my voice. When I say found my voice, well, I began to understand full uh, revelation for from the Lord for me. You know, and of course, I still use resources and, and things of that nature to help me be informed. But as far as, you know, finding understanding, you know, not just putting sermons together, but also understanding how to, how those sermons first impacted me before delivering them. You know, it took a long time. Before then, I was just regurgitating what I had heard. Somebody, and then wouldn't be ashamed to say, I heard uh, the Bible say, yeah, I, I heard uh, a preacher say, you know, I, I was able to do that. <laughs> But we have a lot of church. Here's the here's the thing. Right now, you have a lot of members who are shuffling from church to church, trying to find the brand that fits them. You know, not everybody likes Nike. Not everybody rocks Adidas. I don't think anybody rocks K-Swiss anymore. <laughs> but they're doing that, and then you have these pastors who are branding themselves. And franchising themselves out, like fast food restaurants, they commit, you know, they they build up a brand, and other people, uh, other ministers want to be that brand, or be affiliated with that brand, and that's what happens, and and so you lose the authenticity of both the individual ministry and the gospel, because it becomes something that is created and not something that was empowered and given from the Lord. And in the process of doing that, when people follow these kind of things, these kind of trends, brands, what happens is they become more and more biblical, biblically illiterate. They start they start participating in the fallacies that are presented to the fallacies of false hope. Fallacies of prosperity. Fallacies of uh, even fallacies regarding eternal life and, and salvation. And I, I don't have the time to get into the construct of all these different arguments and fallacies, fallacious arguments that some preachers use. But uh, I'm almost done with the book that I started writing almost over a year ago called Preaching Fallacies. And I did a show or two about preaching fallacies. And uh, I may need to revisit that, but hopefully the Lord will help us where we have that book ready and our uh, – and printed and available for you so you can understand. I mean, a lot of people sit in these churches and have absolutely, 
absolutely no idea of the sermon. Especially when the preacher starts out getting you shouting and then ends with you shouting and in between doesn't say much. Maybe say one or two things that are even relevant to the scripture they, they use or relevant to the gospel message. Most times they get up there and they don't say anything and do not present the gospel message that Jesus Christ was a real person, that he walked, he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, that he he was crucified and buried, and that on the third day God raised him from the dead. That is the gospel message. But a lot of times they miss that, neglect that. And again, and I have to catch myself because sometimes we get caught in, as preachers, we get caught up in the spirit and we want people to shout. And we, you know, we want them to shout before we start, and then once we finish, we need them to shout again to affirm that we did a good job. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to be careful in doing so that while we're, while we're doing it, we're able to empower the people to become free thinkers, to think for themselves, to grapple with the issues of the gospel, to wrestle with the plight of humanity, to deal with the with the situations that are oppressing people and empowering them as the angels of God to go out and carry the work of Christ. To do as Christ said, go feed the hungry, go clothe the naked, go do all the visit the sick and those in prison, as well as proclaim the gospel and baptize and make disciples. If we are not doing that, then we're doing nothing but being a, a, a emotional social club. The reality, beloved, uh, the the reality is when we have situations and circumstances like that of that which was presented by Creflo Dollar, and he's not the only one. He's just the one that's being, you know, he was just the one being highlighted. There are many other preachers, both on the large scale and the small scale, pushing scams for themselves. And again, you know, I know this is not so much as Creflo Dollar individually, but more so the ministry. And we have to be careful because, you know, and again, this is where I go back to this branding thing. You know, it's nothing wrong with having a ministry. There's nothing wrong with having a ministry that has expenses. There's nothing wrong with having a ministry that is required. You know, you you, you have to have support to carry it out. But when the ministry becomes a brand that neglects the gospel, then that is the problem. When the brand becomes greater than the gospel. When the brand becomes greater than the ministry that is called to to do, that is a problem. And we have so many young ministers, young ministries, young pastors aspiring to this kind of thing. They want to get to where Creflo is. They want to be able to tell their members, you know what, I need a Bentley so I can represent the church and show off the prosperity of God. They want to be able to say, I need a jet. Or a helicopter. Or something to that nature. Or, you know, we only got 10 people, but we need to build, by faith, a 500 seat sanctuary. Because God, if we build it, they will come. And so will the mortgage come, too. And and please, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be uh, irrational. I'm not trying to be eccentric. I'm not trying to be uh, demeaning or anything of that nature. I just want us to be aware. There, 
people take advantage of people all the time, ministers in particular. We know historically we could go and, you know, see where ministers have taken advantage of people and oppressed them. But we need to stop and look and see and ask the question simply, is the ministry that we're participating in, engaging in, and supporting, is it built on a fallacy? By the fallacy, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about what you know a person's ministry, but what is the person saying? Listen to it. Joel Osteen has built his ministry on positive thinking and positive living and all that stuff, and he doesn't even mention Christ. He doesn't preach the gospel. And you have many others. I could go on. Ivy Hilliard and and, and Fred Price at one time. Uh, they those guys built their ministries on their brand, and faith was their brand. Financial, you know, prosperity was their brand. We just have to be careful. As a pastor, I try to be careful. I try to be aware that yes, my ministry is critical, is important, is relevant. And I need to be that way. But at the same time, I must be aware of the integrity. As Paul wrote in Second Corinthians, I must be do I must live and have a ministry without corruption so that the ministry won't be blamed. And we have industries instances like what Dr. Crow, uh, Dr. Dollars did. Here it really weakens the integrity of the ministry of Christ. Not just his not just his ministry, but I'm talking about overall and people leave the church over this. People leave the faith over this. And we cannot afford it. We have to have a gospel. As one hymn writer said, don't don't uh don't provoke the preacher. Don't esteem the truth. Or something like preach the gospel, simple, plain and free. And then all will gladly follow him who once taught I'll draw all men unto me. I know I got those lyrics wrong, but y'all know. Lift him up, lift him up. Still he speaks from eternity. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people, men, women, boys, and girls. I will draw all people unto me. That is our divine calling. That is our divine obligation. Not to be famous. Not for fortune. Unfortunately, in in capitalistic America in particular, that has been a way of doing it. Church is business. Church is the means of accumulating wealth. Church is the means of accumulating fame. You can become an itinerant revivalist and make just as much money as a touring musician. You know, big name touring musician. You know, because, you know, Concert tours is how musicians make their money, not so much record sales. And I, I know I've <laughs> probably been all over the place. But either way, but look, my, my obligation again is the power. I want you to be free. I want you to be aware. I want those of us who are preachers and pastors to be servant leaders. And yes, there will become that there's a realm of prosperity associated with that. You know, if you do well, you will do well. But let the Lord cause you to do well. And don't create a brand so that you can do it. Don't create a a uh a niche market for your ministry so you can do it. 
I'm not saying that God can't do that, but contemporary American ministry, that's what it's all about. Finding your niche market, finding your brand, and doing all this stuff to, to get your name out, and using social media. All of that stuff is, is well, but as well as it is, it does not replace God, the Holy Spirit, and Christ. And that's what we should preach. And we should be able to more feel it, vigilant to do so. Well, I've run out of time. I hope I didn't bore you too much. I know I was probably all over the place. But I want you to take heed to the words that I say as I go this week. Um, we're approaching the end of March, and I need you to pray for my family. Uh, uh, five years ago, tomorrow marks the fifth. Uh, uh, tomorrow makes the fifth anniversary of the death of my brother. It's been a really tough, tough few days. It's probably why I was rambling a little bit today. <laughs> I was thinking about that. But... Uh, Prepare your hearts and minds to go out, do the work, and the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and allow you to do the work that you've been called to do. And remember, be ever vigilant. Don't fall for false information. You know, don't fall for fallacies. Study to show yourself approved, and you'll be blessed, and you'll be a blessing to others. All right, I got to get out of here. Thank you.